This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This is a podcast hosted by Wakato Environment Centre or Go Eco. Listen in each week to hear the aspirations and mahi of the Go Eco Wakato team. We are a voice for the environment, a centre for learning and a catalyst for change. Over the last three weeks, the Climate Action Hub, or uh, Te Pū Manawa o Te Waiheke, took over the podcast with interviews with three local authority councillors, Claire St-Pierre of Waipa, Jennifer Nicholl of Wakato Regional Council and Sarah Thompson of Hamilton City Council. If you need to catch up, you'll find Te Puna Kōrero on your favourite podcast platform or in the podcast tab of Go Eco Wakato's Facebook page. Now this week, 21% of Aotearoa's annual greenhouse gas emissions are from transport. Here in Kirikiriroa, the city, it makes up 60%. And unfortunately, despite what we know about climate change, it is still the fastest growing source of emissions. To get anywhere near our climate targets, we need to do more than tinker around at the edges and transform our dominant car culture and invest in public transport, like rail. To talk specifically about passenger rail, uh, the network, is Patrick Rooney, spokesperson for Save Our Trains campaign. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining us and thank you for the work with this campaign. It's been uh, really encouraging to see uh, so many people supportive of it so so early on. So that, that's great news. Before we talk about what the campaign calls for, or your petition specifically calls for, and why, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be involved in this campaign? I read in the media at the end of um, 2021 that these services had been, um, well, it looked like they were put on hold at the time, but since um, it's, it's, it's really come about that they won't be coming back in the same form they were, um, or it's very unlikely anyway. Um, oh, and I was surprised, s- essentially. Oh, that sorry, what was sorry to remained- interrupt, Patrick. Could you just let us know which services you're referring to for anyone who hasn't yet seen the petition? Absolutely. So, um, to do with uh, basically long-distance passenger rail services um, right across the country. So um, as of 2021, we there was the uh, Coastal Pacific and the Northern Explorer, which essentially provided rail transport between Auckland uh, and Wellington and then from Picton to Christchurch. Um, so those services were, were terminated in 2021 um, in their current form. Uh, leaving the country really with a disconnected um, rail network. Um, so just a few services out of Auckland and Wellington, really, as well as a tourist train from uh, Christchurch to, to Greymouth. Um, so, yeah, the other services are concerned. So it didn't seem like anyone were, was doing anything. So I reached out to um, some other uh, people who I knew were regular passengers on the train, as, as I was, uh, and we started this campaign. So it really just started with a, with um, two or three people. And since then, it's really snowballed. Um, 
uh, more than 7,000 people have signed the petition. But in addition to that, we've now got local groups right across the country um, working on this issue in their local communities um, and uh, probably an, an organising group all done on a volunteer basis. So it's really great, been great to see that um, groundswell of support for for public transport and specifically long distance passenger rail. Mm. Um, in terms of your sorry, in terms of your specific question about you know why did I get involved? I mean, everyone has a personal story, of course. So, so mine is um, when I was at university, I was um, uh, traveling to university uh, as students do, hitchhiking, and um, I got in a car and uh, had a. Um, uh, significant the the person then had a head on collision, so I was in hospital for three or four months um, and some people um, you know uh, passed away in that accident too so was, as you can imagine, it was mm. a pretty traumatic experience um, and left me with some physical and uh, issues that prevent me from driving today really so um, I'm someone, one of the hundreds of thousands of people who's actually quite reliant on public transport to get to where they're going, and uh, and I live in in Oakuni, so oh, right. that's, the, that's the personal history there. Yeah, um, and I mean, what better motivator is there? And actually, I'm really pleased to raise the fact that there are a lot of people who rely on good public transport, and particularly in those regions where you don't have the bus services, the train is how you connect to uh, the towns and uh, cities uh, outside of where you live. Exactly. Those long-distance trains that we're talking about were often viewed as, as tourism trains. The fact remains that, that thousands of New Zealanders took those for public transport reasons, there was a survey put out by Massey a couple of years ago, actually, that, that showed despite the fact, you know, New Zealand has, has a, a quite a strong car culture, um, it doesn't mean people necessarily um, want to drive or prefer to drive. So, so they put out a survey that showed that 68% of New Zealanders were actually quite anxious when they got in the car, mm. found it a relatively stressful experience. So, so some of that um, dependence on cars comes from the lack of public transport um, options, I think. Mm. So as of this morning, as you mentioned, the Save Our Trains petition has uh, 7,168 signatures. Uh, we need them all. So what are the key reasons New Zealanders are telling you that they are signing this? It's actually been really fascinating. You know, you always have some expectations as to how things are going to go and and who you think will be interested in the issue. So when we started the campaign, I, I, I sort of thought, well, those people who would be interested would be those people who have some memory of a comprehensive mm, um, railway network. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you go back, even 20 years ago, um, we had a network which was uh, more than 2,500 kilometres of, of um, services right across the country to communities like Dunedin and Tauranga and, and Napier. Um, but that's really been decimated, and we now only have about 350 kilometres of um, of of, of services left across the country, so I thought there would be it would be those people who remember travelling on the train. So older um, generations would be where uh, where the interest came from, and certainly that has been the case to some extent. But what's been really surprising is the number of young people who have got in behind the campaign, and I would say most of the signatories are from people who don't have that experience of, of the railway network. So they're signing because they see the possibilities and the options 
there in terms of having real impact when it comes to uh, the climate um, and the role long distance rail could play in that. But also, you know, hear the stories from their parents and grandparents of how they used to catch the train to university or um, or get the overnight train. We don't have any night trains left in, in the country. So, um, and I think there's a certain uh, romanticism about that um, as well. Yeah. So I think people want that option. I've always been fascinated how uh, rail is romanticised. Uh, for some reason that fascinates me. Um, you know, you see it in the movies and there's this idea about what um, uh, train travel is, is like. So, uh, interesting aside anyway. Um, Nago Eco is based in Frankton, uh, which was one of the busiest rail junctions in uh, the country and a huge employer as well, which um, can't be ignored. In 1910, it saw 80 trains a day and 1,000 wagons. I mean, what happened? I mean, you mentioned before of going from 2,500 um, kilometres to about 300. How did this hap- decline happen? And was it something that was mirrored overseas as well? Well, the second question first. No, it hasn't really been mirrored overseas. In fact, most countries and certainly most advanced economies around the world are actually prioritising passenger rail and investing in rail. And um, we have a habit here of, of manufacturing uh, excuses for not doing things. So we're pretty good at that. We're better at that in some ways than we are at providing public transport. Um, so, uh, you know, there's always discussion that we don't have enough people. We don't have the density. Our landscape doesn't work for rail. But if you look at countries right around the world that have similar profiles to New Zealand, they um, they absolutely do. So if you look at... Finland, for example, which is a similar-sized country, both in uh, area and population, um, they have uh, 250 long-distance services a day and 800 commuter services, so quite a difference Mm -hmm. there. So so it is unique to New Zealand. I think, you know, a couple of things happened. The first was in the 80s we had a flood of uh, Japanese imports and the cost of owning a car became cheaper, and so some of those groups that got the train Um, suddenly drove so that was the first thing that happened but the more important issue I think happened in the 1990s with privatization of the rail system um, which you know is a strategic um, asset for the for the country really I think we're seeing that now in terms of oil prices and and how the possibilities that rail um, can be in terms of um, providing cheap affordable transport but also um, having that impact on our emissions. Um, and so privatisation really stripped the asset base of the of the rail network right back and to, to the point where the government ended up buying it back. So there's been a, a period of building um, back the, um, the rail system since then, but it, it's really been focused on freight um, rather than passenger rail at this point. So I think it's time to to move it on to the next level of development and maximise those opportunities that are there in terms of connecting communities and um, and having an impact when it comes to, to climate. Yeah, you've just discussed something there that I don't have uh, knowledge, understanding or, or memory of, so I'm just trying to understand, in terms of those decision makers, we, we've got the government, and we know the local government also plays a role. What does Kiwi Rail's role in this? And how do they make decisions? Wow. Yeah, well, you need a PhD in this okay. subject to understand it. It's it's so complicated. For for a relatively small country, you would think public transport planning would be far less complicated. But pretty much to get a long distance passenger rail up and running, 
um, and funded. Uh, the only way you can do that really is to get the support of local authorities um, and then come up with a business case, take that to the government, get the government's funding for that and then go to Kiwi Rail um, to get them to operate the service as the operator. Um, and then and, and then even at Kiwi Rail, there's a certain degree of negotiation around who gets to use the tracks and when mm. and all of these sorts of things. So it's actually incredibly um, complicated and takes a long period of time. It's, it's more complicated than it should be because it's, it's even bigger than that, you know. It's pointless having trains to, to um, some communities if there's no way to get to the railway station, Palmerston North, or even Frankton actually is a fairly good example if it's if if the train stops but you can't get to the station then you know it's it's not um as valuable as it could be so it's about an integrated public transport system too which needs some um big picture planning so yeah it's 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 pretty complicated um (laughs) yeah i I realize that i think it's um we saw a lot of that play out with uh improving tahuya's service to make it more convenient and a little bit faster and to get into the city um so i'm i I guess this was where the negotiation um between authorities and kiwi rail might happen yeah yeah exactly so that crosses two um regional uh, one regional boundary so between uh Waikato and uh, Auckland, if you look at something like that Northern Explorer between Wellington and Auckland, it goes through substantially more mm. um, authorities, uh, regional authorities and district counts, district authorities, so it needs substantially more support. So you've got to try and get all of those people on the same page and wanting the same thing from the service and prepared to back it, which is um, uh, yeah, more complicated than it sounds. But Shouldn't be if the central government's giving really strong direction on expectations for public transport, um, particularly when we have the climate in mind, I would think. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's one of our key points is, sure, it'd be great to have these two services back, but we need to look long-term at public transport planning in this country as well and really take a big-picture approach. Um, It is a strategic area, it's a strategic asset for the country, it connects people, it creates um, uh, economic opportunities, it has impact in terms of um, the climate change and, um, and you know, when we're talking about things like working from home and those sorts of things, it's, it's only practical if you can actually do that, you know, if, if you can work in a small community and get the train into larger communities for a couple of days a week, that's great, but um, if you're relying on being stuck in traffic uh, suddenly those um, opportunities of living in, in places like um, Fielding or, or, mm. or Huntable or um, Te Aumutu or places like that sort of dissipate a little bit. So, um, yes, I think it does need that. Government is the only one that can really st- step in and take some responsibility in terms of planning for our public transport system and specifically long distance trains. Um, It's really hard to do anything on a national basis unless central government um, takes that responsibility on. Mm. Now the Waikato Chamber of Commerce has led, uh, in my my words, an anti-Tahuya campaign, uh, going as far as commissioning a report to prove its failure. 
Now, of course, it points at uh, the service being uneconomical, um, and that's a narrative which is dominating discussions on developing rail further. So what do you say in response to those claims that it's just not financially feasible? Well, I think it's a good example of something, once again, you see um, quite strongly in in New Zealand, which really is um, holding rail um, to quite a different standard than you do uh, other parts of our transport infrastructure. So um, if you, even if you look at something like usage, um, so the roads are open 24-7 and the Tuhuya timetable is pretty um, meagre. It's better mm. than it was. Uh, but obviously, I mean, if the roads are open for an hour a day uh, or 90 minutes a day, obviously you're going to have less people using the roads than if they're open 24 hours a day. So if you're looking at at volume, part of that is timetabling and frequency and and all of those sorts of things. Um, So, and once again, when it comes to investment in rail, um, rail has to make, uh, passenger rail, there's that that expectation that some people have that it has to be profitable, that it has to um, make back all the money it costs. But people don't hold roads to that. Um, mm. that same standard for example you don't look out your living room window at the, your cul-de-sac or street in front of your house and think okay well you know how much is this road making people just don't think of that transport infrastructure as the same as the same in the same way um, and I just use road, roads as an example I'm not um, obviously a campaign is not anti-road but it's just it's just the most stark um, example mm. of that so I think that's a key thing is is really um, uh, well, on which basis are you making these decisions about um, uh, to who are you? and and so that report that you're referring to I think it makes some assumptions um, that aren't necessarily um, universal assumptions around um, costs and value and those sorts of things. The other thing too is it takes some time uh, for these services to um, develop and people to get used to them. Well, pandemic uh, and doesn't help, does it? <laughs> exactly. It started during the pandemic and, and to start with it didn't even go into Auckland. Um, so it's only recently that it's actually started going into the central city. Um, so yeah, absolutely. You'd have to give it some time before making uh, assumptions about it. Uh, mm. It's 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 uh, in the long term anyway. And and it goes back to also a little bit to what I said before about having an integrated public transport. By all accounts, um, people who take Tahuia, um rave about the service, and um, you know the trains are uh, clean and nice and well refurbished. It's a comfortable way to travel. But if you, if you can't drive, for example, if you can't drive to the station and you're in one of these communities that doesn't have good local public transport, then it makes it really difficult to use that service. So it goes back to what I was saying before about um, planning for, for an integrated public transport system that can take people point to point as well. Mm. And again, just touching on something we spoke on earlier, this is about equity as well and equity of access to transport um, so that people can get to... Um, family and uh, the events that they want to outside of where they live if they don't have access to a vehicle or unable to drive for for whatever reason it helps to uh, reduce some of those I also like the example of uh, not com- uh, the comparison to roads and how we're holding rail to this, a different um, 
expectations that we don't put on roads like we don't ask what the true cost of a road is um, and certainly uh, again touching back on your story from earlier there is another cost on our roads that isn't factored into uh, decisions um, as well so there's just so many so many ways to look at that so what do you want listeners to take away from our corridor this morning and how can they get involved and support the campaign Absolutely. So, I mean, I think um, our campaign has two goals. The, the first really is to see, the, see that both the Northern Explorers, so that North Island um, service, and the Coastal Pacific um, restored, and restored in a way which is um, um, access- accessible to people. So if it's going to be, if the service does come back and it's a multi-day tour and it takes you five days uh, to get from Auckland to Wellington, that's not a u- that's not useful as public transport. No. Um, if it costs you hundreds or even thousands of dollars, then that's not um, accessible to people. So um, so we'd like to see those services back and back in a form um, which is which is usable for those people who did use those services as public transport. But going forward, we also need to um, make sure we develop a comprehensive national strategy for the future of um, passenger rail services right around the country, built around concerns for climate action, accessibility, affordability and, and economic development, particularly in the regions. So that's, that's what our petition is asking for, those two points, looking at, you know, what can we do now and what should we be doing for the future? Um, and so, yeah, I'd encourage people to sign the petition. They can do that um, either uh, in two ways. I mean, the easiest way is just to Google Save Our Trains New Zealand. You'll probably come up with lots mm. of links. But if you go to Action dot org dot nz and search for the save our train save our national power rail passenger network petition on the list you can sign it there or you can go to our, our website for more information and sign there as well at all railways dot co dot nz um, and uh, also on our website if you want to contribute thought leadership for the campaign we're doing things like podcasts and writing articles and those sorts of things there's there's a section you can volunteer there um, or if you want to help get signatures in your local community um, once again there's a contact form uh, on our website you can just um, fill in your details and, and we'll be in touch um, and you know hundreds of people right across the country have got actively involved in the campaign that's what's been great about it is it's it's grown well beyond just a petition it's actually a fully fledged Mm. Uh, campaign where people are showing a lot of passion for um, the potential um, of a national railway network and and what it means for people because at the end of the day it's not about steel and tracks and um, carriages it's it's about um, people and our environment Mm. and what kind of future we want Wonderful. So uh, that's allrailways.co.nz. Patrick Rooney, spokesperson for Save Our Trains, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, continuing and hearing more about the campaign as it continues to grow. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate the time. So thank you. No problem. Patrick Rooney from Save Our Trains, please uh, jump in and sign the petition uh, and there's other ways that you can get involved as well. We know um, here in Hamilton West, where I am right now, um, we do have strong connections with rail through Frankton Junction being such an important uh, place in that network for such a long period of time. Um, I've heard lots of stories recently about people who have uh, family connections um, who worked on the railways and all of that and very proud uh, history as well. If you do want to know a little bit more about um, 
uh, Frankton and our train history. There's a photographic exhibition happening at, <laughs> nice segue, eh? at uh, Never Project Space. It's open 10 till 4 Thursday, Friday, 10 till 2 Saturday until April the 9th. So you can see some historic photographs of Frankton. It's all part of Frankton Festival. This Saturday is part of Frankton Festival. GoEco is hosting Zines of Frankton. Uh, it's 10 till 2 on Saturday. So you just come in. You don't need any experience. That there's no rules and just come in and contribute to zine making so you can um, do a comic a picture a story a poem whatever it is that you like um, to and it can be loosely frankton related or not at all related to frankton but just come in um, and get creative with us we'll be putting together some zines uh, for zine fest which i think is in may i should get that date um, no cost to that just come in and uh, get creative with us um, tonight on GoEco's Facebook page, we'll be launching a self-guided cycle tour of Frankton's heritage sites. It's called Off the Rails. Finished putting that together last night. Very excited. Um, so you head to GoEco Wakato on Facebook page to get a link to that Google map. Of course, welcome back to Frankton on Saturday mornings for the Frankton Market, which is now on the Kent Street car park, which is opposite Agora Cafe. It's got some live music happening uh, over the next couple, uh, last week and this week. Um, oh, and one other thing, we've got Frankton T-shirts. So if you want to rep everybody's favourite Kitty Kitty Roll neighbourhood, um, you can head to Never Project Space to get your Frankton T-shirt. Finally, the Bike Hub Repairs and Maintenance is open every Thursday and Saturday, 10 till 12 at GoEco. Um, pop in and learn how to fix or service your bike, tyres, brakes, chains and gears. Um, we also take donations of bikes too, if you've got an old one or if you're, um, it's unused, you can bring that in. Um, the shop is open 10 to 4, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, most Saturdays, 9 to 12. Uh, or you can shop online, shop.goeco.org.nz. Please follow us on social media to uh, find out more about what we're up to. Um, always, always heaps going on. Hipuna Korero is a podcast hosted by uh, GoEco, Waikato Environment Centre. We are a not-for-profit environment hub with biodiversity, kai, transport and enterprise projects. You can learn, oh, you can find out more about our work on social media, GoEco Waikato, by heading to our website, goeco.org.nz, or better yet, popping into 188 Commerce Street, Frankton, Kitty Kitty Roa. Join us again next week for a new episode, but make sure you follow or subscribe to Hipuna Korero on your favourite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. Kia pai tora. Hello, hello, I'm coming down the wire. I know, I know, you think that I'm a liar, but I'll be home. Soon, my darling, you'll be here with me. 
episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.